Welcome to the Bloom and Grow podcast, where we share stories of those who have grown through grief and break down barriers that isolate us in those challenging parts of our lives. We know that time doesn't heal, but intention does. There isn't a before and after in grief, but we grow through it. Many days more difficult than others. The weight of grief doesn't get any lighter, but we can get better at carrying it. This podcast isn't just for those going through something sad or difficult, but it's also for those who know someone who is by sharing tips and perspectives in how to be a better support for our loved ones that are grieving. I'm your host, Liz Fidler, and thanks for blooming and growing with us. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Bloom and Grow with Liz Fidler podcast. Today, I have got Dana Frost on the podcast. And Dana, I would love for you to introduce yourself, and then I am going to share how I found you and kind of the one of the first big parts of my healing journey. And you don't even know this, but you played a big part in it. So go ahead and introduce yourself, Dana. Oh, I can't wait. Well, thank you for having me, Liz. I'm Dana Frost. I'm the founder of the Forced Joy Project, which it's it's so interesting. People are like, what do you do? I'm like, I don't know. I guess I say support people in the grief community. And I do that in a variety of different ways. I have a membership community. I create custom books for people that have lost a loved one. And I'm a writer. And so I write about my experience of losing my husband um, in 2017 to terminal cancer. And so that's a lot of where my experience comes from and my grief experience comes from. Um, and just trying to be an open book about that, because as I'm sure you know, it's not something that's openly talked about. And just trying to change that narrative of how we talk about death and loss and grief and all of these quote unquote, uncomfortable topics. Those that are listening and maybe you, some new listeners to the podcast, if you came here to listen to Dana, I'll give a little bit of background of my story. And Dana doesn't know a whole lot of my story. So um, my husband passed away unexpectedly in 2020 of a heart attack. There've been a lot of, obviously a lot of healing in the last three years. He died in December. And then I found out I was pregnant the day after the funeral. So I did fertility treatments. I knew that there was a good chance because I literally saw the 14 millimeter egg on the ultrasound and they were like, okay, give it another, you know, 36 hours to grow, do the trigger shot, do the time, you know, like all these things. And like my OB was like, you're probably pregnant. Like, you know that, right? Like your egg was like, everything was perfect. It wasn't just like, maybe I'm pregnant. It was like, yeah. Okay. Like this is, this is a lot, you know? And so then we had to wait. And then I found out his funeral was Monday I wasn't supposed to do the pregnancy test until Friday because they make you wait, you know, a certain amount of time, but then they're like, well, when would it be accurate? Because if I took it too early, it would have been positive because of the HCG hormone. Okay. And so they were like, well, scientifically you would get an accurate test on Monday, which was the day of the funeral. And I was like, and cause he died on a Wednesday and I'm like, well, I can't do that. So mm-hmm. I will go in right away Tuesday morning for a blood test. And it was like just the lowest detectable level and yep, found out I was pregnant. So he died during like the heat of COVID, the pandemic, Minnesota is a very strict state for COVID. So we were on another lockdown. Like when he died, all restaurants and everything were closed for in, you know, in-store dining. You could only do delivery or drive-through. Like it was, it was a very, very isolating time, but I will say I was thankful for it at the time. And looking back, I still am because I could just use that as an excuse. And, um, but it was a lonely time, but, you know, I got into therapy right away, but I found myself looking for 
widow groups and widow podcasts and resources. And somehow you popped up and I loved the message of forced joy because I felt like everything that I was looking at had either we are angry, we are mad, everyone sucks. <laughs> and I was in that phase for a little while, but you, you're, you're a culmination of what you surround yourself with. And I found that, you know, I was getting mad at people that I probably shouldn't have been mad at. I mean, I read this book that talked about like grief vultures and how do they, how dare they try to get attention and they post about the dead person on Facebook and you didn't even know them. And I would just get so mad. Like, yeah. I am getting more angry the more I consume this angry content. So then I tried to find some really positive things. And it was like, well, I'm not ready for that yet because I am not ready <laughs> for that. And so I felt like yours, just the the thought of forced joy, it it just resonated with me so well in those first six months. And again, I'm I'm pregnant. I'm just trying, and I had a three-year-old. So it was, it was a couple days after he died two days after our daughter's third birthday. So I'm a single mom, a lone parent. My sister moved in with me. She had just graduated college. She moved in to help. And it, it was not like on full house. Uh, there, was, there was a lot <laughs> less singing, but there was a lot of yelling and, like, and it was not like on full house, but in some ways it was like on full house and we just got through it. But your message of forced joy. So tell us the backstory of the Forced Joy Project. Oh, I relate to so much of what you said of just trying to find somebody that resonates. And I I have had a lot of anger phases. And so I get that. And also, I don't want to live in that space. And the Forced Joy Project started in kind of one of those harder moments of Brad, my husband, was a couple months, maybe, maybe six weeks into his cancer diagnosis. And we were just having a really hard time. Did you know it was terminal? Yeah, we knew it was. Do you really know? They give you a little hope. Yeah, right. I, I mean, I feel like we knew that this was likely to kill him, but you know that state of denial of like we, like we fully believed we were going to be different. Like we fully believed that we were going to be that one percent. Yes, yes. And I think you, I think you have to live in that space. You have to. So we were in that space and. For the most part, we were a really good partner, really good team, like going through it, like our humors, like balanced each other. When one was having a low moment, the other one was able to lift the other one up. And we were just having a day where we were both just like in it and we were upsetting each other. We were angry with our circumstance. And I just had this like moment of like, we can't keep going like this. Like Mm -hmm. this can't be this experience for us. Like we have to be on the same team. We have to like figure out a different way. Mm And Brad was much more of a realist and I'm like optimistic and dreamy and like, let's find this. And he was a little bit appalled of like, you want us to force joy. And it was like, yeah, that's exactly what I want us to do. Like, let's, let's figure out a way to find it no matter what. And it was just this joke between us. It was the way that we kind of handled getting through the tough moments to just notice something different besides the pain, the heartache, the worry, the fear, like all of these things that are so natural when you have this looming disease that's threatening to kill you and uproot your life and all of these things. And so we would just find these tiny moments. We'd sing like karaoke in the car and we would record ourselves and find humor and like the dumbest things like medical equipment and things like that. And it would just kind of shift our perspective a little bit to like be back in it together and trying to find something good or funny, or just not so to, I guess, shift the focus a little bit. Yeah. And so that's how it started. Yeah. And I, 
all the time. I mean, so it's been three years since Josh passed away. I'm engaged. We're getting married real soon. Hopefully by the time this comes out, actually, we finally have a meeting with the lawyer tomorrow for getting like our prenup finalized. We're hoping to go to the courthouse next week. (laughs) That's that's legit our wedding plan. We were going to have like a big wedding last fall, but like, it's just, it's, I don't want to say it's messy, but like the responsible thing was just to like, look through all these things and like, okay, scenario, if on death, if on divorce, what happens to my Mm. girls, what happens here? And like, it's just a lot more complicated than we thought. And so we, we actually, in August, we like canceled our October wedding and people were like, what's going on? (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. We just, and we also just, it was turning into like a 300 person wedding. And we're like, dude, that's a down payment on a lake house. Right. Like, I'm not, that's two trips to Europe. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. want that. And he doesn't want that. And everyone's like, well, it's his thirst. He's never had it. I'm like, mm. well, he doesn't care. I promise. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, we, like, I promise we're good. And so anyway, I don't feel, I mean, I'm, I'm very, very, very much practically married to Brent. We are in a very committed relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, So it's the whole like widow label but I don't think I'll ever get rid of it or ever, you know, or feel, you know, Mm -hmm. I've been widowed or I used to be a widow. I don't know what that term is, but the whole time I've gone through it and, you know, people just, oh, you've just remained so positive, you know? And what I tell people is, especially in the beginning, they're like, well, time will heal. Just give it time. Mm -hmm. And screw time. Time does nothing. In fact, I found that the more time that passed, if I sat on something that made me a little bit angry, it would just snowball and I would have a hard time. Like I'd talk to my therapist and, you know, I don't want to give any like main scenarios because I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but like something that someone said. And in my mind, I just dwelled on it. And I'm like, well, what they said was this. And that's basically what they meant. And she's like, hold on. How did you get from here to here? You know? And, you know, things like, you know, everything happens or, you know, just, I don't even, you know, the cliches of like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, They basically said they're glad that Josh died, you know? And she's like, that that is not what they said. (laughs) And, but that's what time can do if you don't work on it. And so I've always said intention, time doesn't heal. Intention does Mm. work. So the force joy and the intention, it just like, facing it, looking at it, doing the hard work of getting through it. And, you know, she said, she's like, you are on this path and you are either going to be drug on that path. You can sit your ass on that path. There's no going back. There's no going backwards on this path. She's like, you can either start walking, you can run for a while, but like, this is your path. And at times I ran at times I crawled, but I was like, well, here we go. And just facing as many of those fears that I could and yeah, forcing the joy. I just, it, it was like a mantra. And then heads up, if anyone is listening with their kids, we're about to drop an F-bomb, but let's talk about <laughs> sign because I love yeah. that. I think, I think I saw that on my Instagram as I was scrolling through somehow. And that's what made me stop. And all it said was on, on, I think it said, fuck fine. To me, I felt like I was responsible for making other people feel better. Like I had to tell them that I was fine because they didn't want to hear that I wasn't. It was like six months yeah. out and they're like, how are you doing? I'm like, well, do you really want to know? Do you, do you really want to yeah. know? Well, I still cry myself to sleep every night, but then I flip the pillow over and the other side's dry. So then I can fall asleep sometimes. <laughs> like, is that what you want to hear? No, they, they yeah, do no. want to hear that. It makes them uncomfortable. So you say fine, but yeah, fuck fine. Like, why is it my job to make someone else feel comfortable and feel better? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I think anyone that has been lost a partner, grieved the loss of somebody, grieving the loss of somebody knows knows that feeling of saying I'm fine because what's underneath those words is so big and so heavy and you're in a grocery store or passing someone on the street and it's like, I don't have time, I don't have capacity, I don't necessarily owe you mm-hmm. my truth in this moment. And also it's just, I got to the point where though I was like, but I want to, I owe myself, you know, I honor the the truth of what I'm feeling and it's not fine. Mm-hmm. And I grew up as a child that was like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Bottle, bottle it all up. So it was mm-hmm. very easy for me to continue that when Brad was sick, when he died of like, everything's fine. I'll just like die inside by myself. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. so, yeah, I wrote this piece that I didn't share for years. I wrote it for myself probably in the first year after Brad died because I was so annoyed. I was just like, I hated that I couldn't share how I wasn't fine because people want you to be fine. They, they want you like, to be fine. I've, I've asked. <laughs> yeah. They asked they're like, okay, check. I've checked in on Dana. She is doing good. She said she's fine. I can go on with my, with my day. And yep. so we hold that responsibility for other people's emotions and feelings and comfort level. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was at my limit where I was just like, fuck this. I'm not yeah. fine. And I wrote this piece. And probably when you found it, I finally had the guts to like share it because it was just like from such a raw place mm-hmm. where I was annoyed with everyone. I was annoyed with my closest people that like they couldn't hold space or I didn't feel safe enough mm-hmm. to share what I was really going through. And that's mm-hmm. so hard and it's so common. It's so common. Okay, we're going to pause this episode. I want you, when I'm done talking, don't hit pause right now because you won't know what to do. But as soon as I'm done talking, I want you to hit pause and I want you to go into this episode and I would love if you would rate this show with a five-star rating because that is how podcasts are successful. The algorithm, what the, you know, wherever you listen, the platform of maybe it's Spotify, maybe it's Apple, maybe it's Amazon, they can keep track of what episodes have a lot of downloads. And that's where, you know, if some people are liking it, they assume other people are going to like it because they want people using their streaming service. So if you are enjoying this, go and rate us, please, please, please. Shows with a higher rating get pushed out more because they think, well, if these people like it, other people will like it. Plus, if you're looking for a show to listen to and you're like, oh, well, it has four two-star ratings, I don't think I'm going to do that one. But if it has a hundred five-star ratings, yeah, more likelihood of listening. So it would really mean a lot to us if you could just hit pause, go and give us a rating, and then come back and finish listening. Thank you so much. I remember distinctly the day that I saw your post. And again, that's why when I was like, oh, I wonder if she'll come on my podcast. Like, I'm like, I'm like one of your fans. Um, but I was sitting in the kitchen of like the old farmhouse that, so I actually, since he passed away, tore down the farmhouse. We had plans for it. We already had, we literally had the blueprints, not completely done with the architect, but like the floor plan was done, mm-hmm. our builder, whatever, like to build the new farmhouse. And I, I did it after he died, which again, you want to be the talk of the County, be the one who tears down, the, like be the one who built a brand new house after your husband dies, but whatever. I uh, love it though. <laughs> and anyways, I remember sitting in that kitchen, looking around, like literally in my mind was like, oh, and it was January or February. I'm like, oh, I better Cause we had such a mouse problem. Like we had people come in and like, mm-hmm. like the, the, 
exterminate. I don't even know what they are. The pest people, like, and they still were just like coming in because we had like a dirt. Oh, been there, been seen there. Being, like, <laughs> oh, I better check the mouse traps in the cabinets, and that was always Josh's job. Obviously, mm-hmm. I don't want to know. Like, we are saving so aggressively to build a new house, and I don't want to know how many mice are in my kitchen yeah. cabinets right now. Like, but I was like, oh, I better check the because I, I would get a mouse like every other day. Like even yeah. with everything, Ugh. it was one of his people. And I'm not saying they're not my people. I'm not saying, you know, but I can't, re- I truly can't remember if it was like an aunt or a coworker or someone had like mm-hmm. come over for coffee. And I remember just sitting there and I glanced over and there was like a pile of letters, like bills that mm-hmm. needed to be paid. There were dishes in the sink. There was mouse traps to be checked on. And here I was having coffee with this person, trying to make them feel better, trying to comfort them when I'm like, you want to wash some freaking dishes? How about you check? Like, let me know if there's anything I can do for you. And I want to be like, you want to check my mousetraps? Right. Oh, let me give you a list. (laughs) Yeah. You want to go down my janky stairs in the dirt floor basement and fill my water softener with salt because, or whatever it was. And I just remember thinking like, here I am, comforting people when I've got stuff to do and I need help and I don't even know you that well and like I've never had a conversation with you until now but now it's my job to make you feel better and this sucks and now at this point three years out yeah sure I'll sit down and have coffee with you but in that (laughs) time that was not what I needed and but I felt you know and so then I remember that night scrolling through Instagram and seeing fuck fine. I'm like, you know what? I'm done. <laughs> and then after that, like that spring, that summer, when people were like, can I, you know, can I stop over for coffee? And I'd literally say no, but I have flowers that need to be planted. Cause I have a flower farm too. And I was still working uh-huh. three days a week. I was like, yeah, I've got extra gardening gloves. Come on over. Like, uh, I love you, that. You boundary. Come, <laughs> if you want to come, you can come help me. But like, yeah. and most did. Most did. Right. And yeah. and that's that's another lesson that I learned too, is that they actually do want to help. And don't be afraid yeah. to say, well, you can you can be with me and you can hang out with me, but I got shit to do. And yeah. I'm not gonna sit here and have my pile pile up so that I can make you feel better and tell you that I'm fine. Let, yeah. let me show you that I'm fine. I'll be more fine if you help me. <laughs> right. You want me to be yeah. fine? Come on over and help. <laughs> and I think it's, and I don't even mind. I grew up on a farm, like the emptying the mouse traps. Like, I don't care. It was just this, like, I wasn't supposed to have to do it. It's like every right. Sunday yeah. night when I had to bring the trash cans out and yeah. I shouldn't have to be doing this. That's Josh's job. Yeah. Like he's supposed to, like, if he was alive, I wouldn't have to yeah. do this, but I'm doing this because he's not, you know, or whatever it might yeah. be, but then the next thing that I loved that you had posted on Instagram was your smash kits because one of my <laughs> friends went to Goodwill and bought some plates. Oh, I love it. Are like, well, Cause there's like a feedlot here on the farm. So there's just like this cement area and I just smashed a bunch of Goodwill plates on the ground and then like swept them up. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. The day after he died, I would say the only like aggressive thing and it was, it was safe. Nobody was in the room, but um, the day after he died, we were like making funeral plans. And I walked into my office where the treadmill was mm-hmm. and he died on the treadmill and oh, the treadmill God, was gone. Yeah. Like I said, get this out of here. Like any, I mean, the treadmill didn't kill him. Running didn't kill him. He had a heart attack while running on the treadmill, but still the treadmill still. was gone. I was like, get this thing out of here. I, I, I have no idea where it ended up, but there was a mirror back there and I 
So the treadmill was gone, this big blank space, and then like this big mirror. And I don't know why it was in the corner behind the treadmill, but I literally took my printer and I chucked <gasps> it at that mirror and it shattered. Oh my God. And my dad comes in and this was, yeah, this was 18 hours after Josh died. And my dad comes in and he looks at me and I go, and I'm not fucking cleaning it up. <laughs> Good for you. Good yeah. for you. Tell us about the wedding smashing, right? You were at a friend's wedding. Was that the deal? Yeah. So actually the first time um, it was a similar situation as your friend. It was the day after Brad died. It was the next night and a friend had collected a bunch of stuff from Goodwill, a bunch of random smashable old TVs, glassware, and laid it out in the alley behind his house and handed me a golf club. It was like, go at it. And so Brad's sister was there. My sister was there. There were a couple of us there. And we just took out our rage. And then he and his roommates ordered pizza and beer for us. And was like, okay. And it was like the greatest friend move of all time. And then a few months later, I was at a wedding and a mutual friend's wedding of Brad and I, and I really didn't want to go. You know, it's so hard to go Mm -hmm. to a wedding solo. And I think if anyone is listening and getting married and a widow is invited to your wedding, give them a plus one, no matter what. Like it could be their sister. It could be a friend. Like let them bring someone yeah. <laughs> to their wedding. Actually, I got a couple of those with a post-it sticky note on it. Like my cousin got married that June and it literally said, okay. we put a plus one, just let us know. Like and yeah. that, that yeah. was an awesome way of doing it. Like just customizing yeah. it to like. Hey, you, acknowledging like, that you yeah. know this is hard. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And it's like the plus one isn't like we need you to have a date or like pressure for that. It's just the like you can bring someone, mm-hmm. but I did not have a plus one. Or don't, way. or don't, don't, or don't, right, like, right. Yeah. yeah, of course, of course. But yeah, so this was after the wedding. I ended up not going to the reception and it was just such an emotional time. And anger was an emotion that was very easy early on for me. And so again, the same friend like collected a bunch of stuff after this wedding. I like called and was like, I don't know what to do. And so that's when I was like in my, this dress, this little cocktail dress yeah. and do not recommend that. I had bloody legs and like bloody limbs yeah. because glass is everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so do it safely. But that was, that's kind of how it became this, this way of just handling my rage mm-hmm. in a way that felt somewhat safe. And maybe it's not the safest thing, but safer than maybe other ways of handling things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, we're both, it seems like we both have a little, like how we take our anger <laughs> I think one more thing that I threw because I had chickens and I still do. And I remember like finally, like the week after the funeral going out there and they were out of feed. Mm. And like, there were a lot of people that were in charge of like taking care of my chickens. Well, it was actually my dad who was feeding them and he was used to like feeding cows. Like you feed them enough for them to eat and you feed them every day. Whereas like with my chickens, I fill their entire feeder up like once a week you know, yeah. just eat. And he didn't know that. So he had been feeding them. It's not like they were out of feed, but I was, you so, didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that. And like, he came outside and I took that feeder and I just threw it across the yard. And I think this was like the day I found out I was pregnant and my dad didn't know yet because like my mom and I'm like, it's not that we're going to keep it for my dad forever, but like, let's just, this is very fresh, very new. And, mm-hmm. and I just, through that across the yard. I'm like, and nobody was feeding my chickens. <laughs> and he's like, we have been feeding your chicken. But sometimes just that, like that outlet is so, you know, and acknowledging that that's, that's a normal feeling and right. you can take Why that out it? safely. Like, 
Yeah. yeah. Wanting to break shit, wanting yeah. to throw things across yeah. the room. Like that safely isn't, go to a, a, I mean, some people might get offended this, but like safely go to a gun range. Like that feels good or safely baseball, ba- baseball field, whatever. I mean, I don't think it'd be a good idea for balls to come flying at me, like, uh, yeah. but just something, a place to move your energy. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And do you still have those smash kits on your website or is that they are there. I am gone for the next several weeks. So they're temporarily off the website because I'm not home to ship them, but they'll be back. Yeah. So, and again, just an awesome gift for, <laughs> if you don't know what to get anyone. For, yeah. <laughs> and I think that your space is so important and it sounds like you do a really good job of what I'm also trying to do. So I started this podcast. It was actually the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast, which is my other one on like growing and selling flowers. And then I had these Mm -hmm. bonus bloom and grow episodes and it's just two very different audiences. And so I decided to branch out and do its own thing. But my goal is to show a little bit of both sides. So I shared with you before we started recording that I'm writing a book right now. And it started out probably the same way yours did. I wrote 20,000 words, like a ton of it right away. And then I sat on it for a while. And actually I was going to title it shit, not to say when someone's husband dies. And it was, it's angry. It's angry. It's really angry, but I sat on it for like a year and then now I've revisited it and I've dimmed a few things down a little bit. I've, I've, I've rubbed some sandpaper on it. But I'm keeping a lot of it in there. And then I'm, it's another perspective from a year or two later that I'm like, okay, heads up. If you're grieving, like you're probably not going to feel this way forever. And that's good because again, forcing the joy or intentionality, but I want it to be helpful in, you know, how do you help someone that's grieving? Well, you don't Mm -hmm. say these things or you get them a smash kit or, you know, whatever it might be. You have a plus one. I think those things are so important because people are craving insider information on how to approach someone that's grieving. And sometimes grief is the loss of a spouse, a child, a divorce, a job Mm -hmm. loss, whatever it might be. So there's that audience, but also that acknowledgement that we, as the grievers, I remember going back to work because I was still working as a family practice nurse practitioner. I still work as a nurse practitioner one day a week. I do urgent care visits. So pink eye, cold sores, that type of thing, video visits, a lot of notes for work because employers don't believe if they have an at-home positive COVID COVID test. (laughs) That's what I do all day. Wow. Riveting. No, but I do it one day a week to keep my license. And then I have my flower farm and that has completely replaced And so, and then a lot of little, like when you say, I don't know what I do, like I do a lot of things, but I'm still working in family practice and it was my job. I had 800 people. I was their primary. It was my job to listen to their problem or their complaint and give them advice Mm -hmm. on how to fix it. And it was like, and I knew I I took 12 weeks off for FMLA because I'm like, it's, and it was a medical diagnosis of grief, like grief mm-hmm. reactions, my medical diagnosis. Cause I was like, I, and I had a therapist that I was seeing every week and we were like practicing those conversations. And I'm like, oh, when someone comes in and, oh, well, you know, this is my problem or I'm really, uh-huh. really, you want to talk problems? And <laughs> she said something that really resonated with me. My therapist did. And she's just like, Liz, in the game of who has it worse, you're probably going to always have it worse. Like, well, my husband mm-hmm. died. 
my husband died. Yeah. Oh, I'm a single parent because I got divorced. Try being a single parent because your husband dies. Like, oh, labor, labor was hard. Oh, try doing it without your person there. Like just whatever it might be. Like, Mm -hmm. like, do you want to always win at that game? And so Mm -hmm. I always talk about focusing on intention and the intent, like what, yes, the person, and they still can do better. They still need, like, it's, it doesn't give them a free pass. Like, oh, they said something wrong, but they didn't mean it. No, but here's why it was hurtful. Yeah. Here's how you can do better, but here's how me as the grieving person can, okay, take a deep breath, take a step back. What did they mean? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, cause I think you could get angry at everything mm-hmm. and you know, the truth is it's like, even for, for those patients, it's like whatever they're experiencing maybe is their worst and, moment. And I don't want people to relate. And that's the other right. thing. Be thankful. But, but you're allowed to be angry for exactly. losing your husband and yeah, but this is your professional job and how do you figure out that balance? Yeah, exactly. And most people's intention is not Malicious. to piss you off. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> um, so let's talk about what is like your membership. Tell me just more of the Force Joy Project LLC. Or yeah, yeah, that, so that, that's the business. Yep. Um, and then I have, so the membership is called Force Joy Club. Mm-hmm. And it started because one, I think social media like was such a beautiful space for a long time to connect with other people. Mm-hmm. And it's shifted, it's shifting we don't have control of that. We're seeing more ads and sponsored posts and the stuff that you want to see that maybe was helpful at one point were not. And so I just wanted to create some space that allowed us to go deeper with each other and connect that wasn't require, requiring social media and understanding that people are all over the world and mm-hmm. trying to connect and in-person grief groups and in-person events are few and far between. And so I created that as a place to kind of come together and offer connection. I bring on speaker series every month. So everyone from therapists to help get through the holidays. Um, I'm a sex therapist coming on to talk about pleasure as a widower widower. And how do you kind of get back into like feeling that for yourself, just all kinds of people to come and help us grow in our grief and navigate that journey and give people an opportunity to share their stories. So I've loved being able to do that and see how people have gotten to connect with people that they maybe wouldn't have otherwise. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way of, you know, you finding me and I found other widows and how important mm-hmm. that was in yeah. healing and feeling less alone and mm-hmm. just want to make that easier for people to do. So my goal for this Bloom and Grow podcast is we started a scholarship for my late husband and it's almost fully endowed. And we still have three more years to raise the last like five grand, 50. Like, so we're, we're good. And I started like, because I'm a goal driven, like this, 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 mm-hmm. I'm like, well now, now I guess I got to start a nonprofit. That'll be the next step. And what am I going to do? And I was just like, I spent like a month just invested in like figuring out a nonprofit. And I have a lot of friends that are involved in that world. And then I sat back and I was like, I am going to be giving up a lot of things that I love and a lot of goals and a lot of plans that I had for my life. If I do. Mm, Yeah. And I don't really want this. And I feel like I have to do it. And I'm not saying that that's not the perfect fit for others, but that just wasn't a perfect fit for me. And so as I was thinking about this podcast, I'm like, I just want to elevate the voices of, and I know that you're not a nonprofit, but just those resources for people and have a platform for just even knowing what's available. And so that's my whole goal for the Bloom and Grow podcast is because I have people that ask like, how do I, you know, what can I do? And I mean, honestly, 
if I had someone that, you know, was struggling and passed away or because I get people that ask me all the time, they're like, how do you stay positive? My sister lost her husband and whatever. Like maybe, maybe saying, Hey, why don't you tell her about this membership or something? People want something to do and yes, they want to try to fix it and can't always fix it, but at least it's something. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I tell that to people all the time who are like, can I gift this to someone? And absolutely. And whether they use it or not, it's Mm -hmm. like, it's there. Mm -hmm. And especially if you have not experienced grief yourself, it's a way to be like, I don't know what you're going through, but here's a group of people who do and give them access to that because ultimately that's what it's about is just having people that understand your experience, even if your grief is totally different, even if your loss is different, because it is for all of us. And this isn't just for widows. It's for all kinds of grief. And it's amazing how similar our experiences, even if the facts are in the details are different. Yep, exactly. And especially the, the emotions, my best friend was actually widowed in 2015 and I had a front row seat to everything. Yeah. Funeral planning to the days before the funeral afterwards, months, you know, this or that. And my late husband was actually her boss by the time she, by the time he passed away. He wasn't at the time that she was widowed and she introduced me to my husband. And anyway, I thought like, we talked about everything. We were like, well, you know, just like how we would handle it or all these things because right there. And it wasn't from like a place of judgment, but it's like, when you're there, it's hard not to, I just like trying to imagine yourself in those shoes. And I still, I had probably put more thought into it than the average, probably the average (laughs) widow. And it still was nothing like I thought it was going to be. And yeah. I just remember like, I still now, I mean, her and I just went down to Texas this last weekend with her new boyfriend and whatever. And, you know, it's just, it's just fun. like the, the morbid jokes we have between us yeah. and, you know, our two guys are just wonderful. Like just, you know, they're, they're dating the widowed best friend and it's just a, yeah. weird, a weird thing. And like a club that's not easy to be in, but yet we still have this like probably bigger than ever flair for living because we just live like and we know know. we know that Jeff and Josh would be like look at them they went I mean we went to South Dakota State for college and they just won the national championship in football oh love it yeah we haven't been I've been to one game in the last 10 years like bandwagon fans like haven't Mm -hmm. been to a home game in three years and we flew to Texas for the championship because we're like why not like we I love it we went here like I mean up until kickoff we thought we were playing Bozeman not Missoula so (laughs) It's like, yeah, Bozeman and people, I'm, and people are like, that's not where, but you're like, we only care about the one team. Yeah, we're like, whatever. It's fine. Where's the bush light? Like, I don't know. When in Rome, it was so fun. But, oh my gosh. I yeah, love So that. tell us, you know, where we can find you on Instagram, your website, your resources, any of that. So, yep. Everything is on forcedjoyproject.com and it kind of links to everything. I also have a sub stack where we talked about giving advice and how people want to hear from someone who's been through it. So I have a Substack called I'm Fine and Other Lies. It's also linked from my website. And that's where I write more about my personal experience and kind of answer people's questions of what they've been through. So, but it's all there on my website. And Instagram is also Forced Joy Project. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dana. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. And you can find all of that info in the episode notes. If you have any questions, just please reach out to our episode links and everything in the notes. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Bloom and Grow with Liz Fiddler podcast. You can find us at bloomandgrow.llc on Instagram and Bloom and Grow with Liz Fiddler on Facebook. 
We're always looking for stories of those who have gone through the trenches of grief and found a way to keep blooming and growing through it. So if you have an idea for an episode, please send us an email, liz at sunnymarymeadow.com and tell us what you think. You can also go to our website, www.bloomandgrowwithliz.com and sign up for our email list. You'll find all of that information in the episode notes. Thanks for being here. Bloom and grow. Bloom and grow.